بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم virtues of the holy cities of Jerusalem and also Damascus to now to mention or to turn to the two holiest of cities. So first of all, in a hadith in Deilami in his Musnad al-Firdos, Khatib al-Baghdadi, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya, volume 1, page 509 in the chapter on the mysteries of Aj. Our beloved messenger, he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the greatest sinner amongst mankind is he who stands at Arafat and assumes that Allah the Most High has not forgiven him. The greatest sinner amongst mankind is he who stands at Arafat and assumes that Allah the Most High subhanahu wa ta'ala has not forgiven him. So what does this mean? So famously, the Prophet ﷺ said in Sayyid Muslim, Hajj is Arafat, meaning if you miss Arafat, you miss the Hajj. And famous reports, Allah Ta'ala forgives so many people on that blessed day that even shaitan starts grieving. But you must not in your heart think if you are there that Allah Ta'ala has not forgiven you. That's how much Allah the Almighty and Glorious wants you to assume about Him when you're at Arafat. If you think that Allah Ta'ala has not forgiven you, it is a great crime. The Prophet wasallam said, the greatest sinner amongst mankind. So it's not a small matter. So why is it such a great crime? Because Hajj, you're the guest of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you're thinking ill of the host. If Hajj is Arafat, and you're thinking I'm not going to get forgiven, that's, you might as well, as well say the host hasn't been hospitable to me. And how many people actually say that? They don't even realize what they're saying because I don't think my head has been accepted. I don't think Allah Ta'ala has forgiven me. And the response is never say that. You say, I assume that Allah Ta'ala has forgiven me. Thus Hajj is a sure way in securing the forgiveness of one's endless sins. It's a sure way. Why? Because you have to be certain. Mm. So now Arafat. Why is Hajj Arafat? The history of Arafat is as ancient as humanity itself. Mm. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, the covenant was taken at the time Adam alayhi was sent down from the heavens to the earth. It is known as the plain of Arafat. This is in Nasai, Ahmad in his Musnad, Hakim, Shaykh al-Bani, Rahmatullah, states Sahih, in As-Sahira, number 1673. So let's explain this. So what covenant was Ibn Abbas referring to? He was referring to the covenant in Surah Al-A'raf, Surah 7, verse 172, where it famously mentions that Allah Ta'ala asked, Am I not your Lord? And we all responded from the back of Adam, alayhi salatu wasalam, Bala, certainly. 
So Ibn Abbas said that was taken when? It wasn't in the heavens. It was on the earth. And he pinpointed it. It was on the plane of Arafat. So Adam والسلام, the question to pose is what was he doing at Arafat? And the response is he did so many Hajj and Umrah. So obviously he was there to you know, perform the pilgrimage. Otherwise you have to come out with such a nonsensical statement that it was just coincidence he was in Arafat. <laughs> but to be honest with you, what on earth would you be doing Arafat other than the pilgrimage? Mm-hmm. But it mentions that he slept there. And then Allah Ta'ala, the report says, he took all of us out, because we're all the children of Adam, والسلام, and he said, rabbikum, Am I not your Lord? And the fish and the fowl, think about that. Firon, <laughs> Abu Jahl, <laughs> Abu Lahab, Qarun, you, you, you name them, all the shaitans. All of them said, you are certainly our Lord. Mm. And this was taken at Arafat. Mm. Abdullah ibn Abbas further explained, radiyallahu Adam, alayhi salatu wasalam, and Hawa, radiyallahu wa ta'arafa, they recognized each other at Arafat. Hence, it was so named. This is in Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimishq 69-109, Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat 1-39, W in his Tariq 1-79. So here you have to look at the Arabic word. So Adam, like we explained, alayhi salatu wasalam, he was at Arafat. He met his wife there. So now, just a bit of history. Both Adam and Hawa, alayhi salatu wasalam, they were in paradise. They ate from the forbidden tree. They were taken out of paradise. When they came onto the earth, they did not come down at the same location. Adam والسلام, the hadith in Ganzul Omal says, he came down on a mountain in Sri Lanka. Hawa, she came down at Jeddah, where the famous airport is now, where people land. So that's interesting. You know, when you're actually landing, you're actually maybe somewhat emulating Hawa. The report says they met each other and they recognized each other at Arafat. Thus the name Arafat. Right? Even, I think in Urdu, Arif means the one who knows. So the same root word, it means you recognize something. You become aware of something. So Ibn Abbas says, وَتَعَالَفَ They recognize each other. So the name of that land was called Arafat. So look how touching. This is all to do with our father. Unless you think you've come from an ape. Right? So this is all to do with our father. And our mother. Those all believers must at least once in their lifetime, if they have the means, to return once more to that blessed plane, to do two things. Firstly, to renew our covenant, Bala, once more. And secondly, to remember the union of our beloved and illustrious grandparents. So think about it. When you go to Arafat, how many people would even give you this answer? What we're doing in Arafat? Because it's Hajj. Because I know that, but why have you come to Arafat? Because Allah Ta'ala has commanded it. And he goes, I know that, but why has he told us to come to Arafat? And he goes, well, it's fun. And the response is, he doesn't know. He just, why did you just say you don't know? Everything we do, whether it's putting our shoes on, starting with the right 
shoe first or standing on the plane of Arafat has great wisdom. The wisdom why we go to Arafat is to remember our parents. Imagine, you know, nobody can go to the plane of Arafat and say, well, this, these are not our parents. The jinn, obviously, they're not the parents of the jinn. They do hajj, but for the human beings, they're our, they're our parents. So you're actually going back to a place as ancient as humanity itself. You know, what a holy place it is. And also, we took the covenant there. We said, Bala to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because you are our Lord. So when we go back to do hajj in those two sheets of plain white cloth, we're renewing that. <laughs> because, Ya Allah, we've said it here. We can't remember. But we've come back physically now to renew that. We're saying, you are our Lord. Labbeek, Allahumma labbeek. Because we are here at your service, O oh, our Lord. So look how beautiful the hajj is. But, first of all, we need to educate ourselves. And also then the non-Muslims, they can ask questions. Why did you go to Hajj? Why have you got a bald head? Why have you got a tan? Why did you... What's, what's, and then look how tragic we don't even know how to answer them. Well, it's a commandment. We just went there. It is related that our illustrious grandfather, Adam wasalam, performed 300 Hajjs and 700 Umri during his illustrious lifetime. Referred to Ibn Khuzayma in his Sahih. So what do we take from that? Minimum... He returned to Arafat 300 times, minimum. The reason I say minimum is because Umrah is not Hajj. When you perform Umrah, you don't go to Arafat. Hajj, you have to go to Arafat. So if the Hadith Sahih said he did 300 Hajjs, definitely 300 times he was at Arafat. The 700 Umrah, he might have combined that. With the, it might have been at Tamattu. So it's possible he might have gone more. But the fact that he went there 300 times, now think about that. If any prophet goes to any locality, is that place not blessed? The chamber of Maryam, who wasn't a prophet, is it not blessed? The mihrab of Maryam, mentioned in the Quran, the mihrab of Dawood, isn't that blessed? Alayhi salatu wasalam, mentioned in the Quran. Why are these places mentioned? Because prophets visited those places for a short period of time. What if somebody says to you, I know a place, minimum. Adam, the first prophet, the first man, mm-hmm. our father, minimum, he went there 300 times. Not just for a few moments, but an afternoon. Mm-hmm. You would think, where is this place? Well, I need to go there. There's a condition. You need to do Hajj. <laughs> you don't just go there with t-shirt and jeans. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the Hajj is Arafat. The prophet didn't just say Arafat is Arafat. He goes, Hajj is Arafat. <laughs> Meaning you, you go there with, you know, with, with, with Deccan. So note, Arafat isn't Makkah. It's close to Makkah, a few miles out. So if Arafat is blessed so much, then what about the epicenter, Makkah? Like I mentioned, the epicenter was Jerusalem. The epicenter was Damascus. Now we're talking about Makkah. And notice just outside, you got all these incredible blessings, which you know Allah has graced us with. With regards to the Kaaba itself, the Holy Kaaba, one of the companions, he said, This house was sent down by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the heaven as a ruby at the same time as Adam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thereupon said, O Adam, this is my house. Those perform tawaf around it. 
as you have seen my angels alayhi salatu wasalam perform tawaf around my arsh and praying the angels alayhi salatu wasalam then came down with the kaaba this is in behaki in shu'ab al-iman number 3990 so now what's the link the kaaba came down the same time as adam So whenever he came onto the earth alayhi salatu wasalam the Kaaba also came down according to this report how did it come down this is fascinating it came down as a ruby so when you think of the Kaaba you think of bricks and mortar you know with a cloth over it it did not start off like that it was a ruby so imagine you know what was that original Kaaba Allah Ta'ala told Adam now why did he tell him that because he's on the earth now and he's missing the heavenly realm so he tells him this is my house the Kaaba perform tawaf around it as you saw the angels perform tawaf around my arsh so Adam saw the angels doing tawaf around the arsh the glorious throne and they were praying he goes do the same around my house and then after he told him that subhanahu wa ta'ala the angels came down with the Kaaba However, the foundations of the sacred house far predates even that of the emergence of mankind. Because our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Adam alayhi salatu wasalam met Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam at Arafat, who said to him, O Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, may your hajj be accepted. I performed tawaf 50,000 years before you were created. This is an Ibn Khuzayma with a sayih kind of transmission. So now a person goes, well, hang on a minute. The Kaaba came down with Adam. You just said that. Alayhi salatu wasalam. Yes. Now you're saying that Jibreel, alayhi salatu wasalam, he's performing tawaf 50,000 years before Adam. So where's the, where's the Kaaba? The response is the foundations of the Kaaba is far older than the actual construction itself. You understand, right? The foundation far, far predates mankind. We can say definitely more than 50,000 years. Now think about that. Going how far back did our father come onto the world? We don't know. The world is, you know, like the, even the non-Muslims mentioned is billions of years old. We take your word for it. You know, we don't know whether it's a billion years old. But let's take your word for it. So how far back must you go for Adam to come onto the earth? You know, you can hazard a guess, you know, 100,000 years, Allah Ta'ala knows best. We're not bothered about the, you know, the evolutionary scale. We're bothered about the man, Adam coming onto the earth, alayhi salatu wasalam. But think about that. No matter how far back you go, whenever he came, 50,000 years before that, Jibreel did tawaf around the Kaaba. Now, why did he say that to Adam? You know, think about that. Adam has completed the Hajj. He's congratulated him. Fantastic. But then suddenly it's like, he suddenly says, I performed Tawah 50,000 years before your creation. Why did he mention that? Because he's informing him, this is a truly holy place. You've been blessed to come here, but this is something else. And we, the angels, have performed Tawah there, around the Kaab. Our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa thus encouraged one and all. Perform tawaf frequently. The word he used was taqathul. So where is the word taqathul famously used? 
You are distracted by the piling up. Takathir means to pile up. So if you take the hadith literally, the Prophet said, pile up your tawaf. But in English, you have to change the wording. So to make it flow in English, the Prophet said, perform tawaf frequently. For this is one of the most prominent things that you will find in your record of deeds on the day of judgment. Indeed, the most fortunate of deeds you will find. This is in Hakim in his Mustadrak Sahih, Ibn Hiban Sahih, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya, volume 1, page 509, in the chapter on the mysteries of Hajj. So look at the word in Takathur. So Allah Ta'ala says, you are distracted by Takathur. But are you aware there's a there's a noble takathur. It's quite interesting. Allah Ta'ala's warning is about piling up. But what is he warning you about? Dunya. Don't get distracted by dunya. Remember that you're heading towards the akhirat. The Rasulullah said there's one exception. In fact, you now need to pile it up. What do we need to pile up? Did he say dinars and dirhams? No. Did he say property? Dwellings? No. Did he say, you know, whatever name and fame? No. He said, Tawaf. And then he said, you're going to be amazed what your reward's going to be. And then he only said here, it will be the most amazing deed you will find in your skills. So now think about that. Tawaf is actually a strange act of worship. Because normally when you worship, you think of stationary people. A person's reading the Quran. Most of the times he's stationed. He's offering salat. Most of the time he's stationed. You understand? Tawaf, you're moving. Secondly, you're going in a circular motion, anti-clockwise. So it's a very strange act of worship. You're allowed to talk in it. The Prophet said, it's just like salat, but you can talk. But talk good. Pile it up, the Prophet says. How can you pile it up if you don't go? You know, there's no like, you know, trial runs you can do. You know, let's get a makeshift carbon, make it in our locality, and we'll get a couple of hundred hours. We're wasting your time. It's not an act of worship anywhere else. It has to be around the Kaaba. Those whilst in the holy city, one should endeavor one's utmost to perform this most priceless, unique deed in a truly unique and exalted place. Why do you think Allah Ta'ala gives you so much reward for tawaf? Again, you have to think, why was special about Adam? He was told to do this. If Adam was emulating our father, Allah Ta'ala loves tawaf because the angels do around his arish. So you're copying the holy prophets. Subhanallah, such a deed which makes no other than our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala look at us with pride. Because Rasulullah said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is proud of those who perform tawaf around the Kaaba. Subhanallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is proud of those who perform tawaf around the Kaaba. 
This is a behaki andarakutni. Now think about that. This doesn't mean human pride. You know, like you get fathers proud of his son. We don't start giving human attributes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What we can safely take from the hadith is you've made him so, you pleased him too much. He loves it too much. When the word proud is used, some of the scholars say it means he's showing your worth to the angels. He's talking to the angels. He goes, look at my servants. Now why does he talk to the angels? Because when Adam was created, والسلام, the angels said, have you created someone who's going to create mischief, fasad, and bloodshed? So they were referring to the children of Adam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I know what you don't know. Meaning, you don't realize. Now why did they even think that? Because the jinn, the jinn came before us and they created mischief, fasad, and fitna. So they, they wanted to know the wisdom. They were questioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you perform tawaf, it's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying to the angels, I thought they were going to create mischief and shed blood. Mm-hmm. Meaning, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. They're doing what you're doing. But there's a massive difference. Mm-hmm. They're doing it without seeing me. Mm-hmm. They're doing it without hearing me. You see me, you hear me. Mm-hmm. So what is our tawaf compared to the Ours is far greater because we're doing it with the ghib. And yeah, when people go to Makkah, they're doing everything but the tawaf. You see one person reading Quran, you see another person doing nafuk, you see another person giving sadaqah. Fantastic! Why are you doing a deal where you could do anywhere else? Even logically, this is the only place in the entire world you can do this worship. And you're doing another act of worship. Think about it. Isn't that madness, right? Somebody goes to you. You could do that anywhere else. And then they all go, oh, yeah, but you get 100,000 more. Go knock yourself far, brother. Right? The whole point is this is a unique act of worship. Then they come out with these excuses. Oh, it's too crowded. Well, the response to that is they're all intelligent. That's why it's crowded. You must be mad. Right? You know, imagine an angel saying that. It's too crowded. Do you ever hear a report saying, angel saying that? Meaning just get on with it. He goes, oh, it's too hot. <laughs> and then you think, what do you want to do, brother? You want to go shopping, air conditioning. And you see him in malls buying gold and bundles and made in China. You can get from metal hole stuff. What are you doing? What the heck is going on there? You get other brothers, they're, they're offering their fadad prayer in their hotels. And he goes, what are you doing? He goes, well, all of it is haram. He goes, yeah, but you're not praying behind the imam. <laughs> And then it's just like shaitan praying because they haven't prepared. It's like, what are you doing? Well, they say you can't pray behind the imam. Thinking, what's happening now? Imagine it. Somebody is appointed the imam of the Kaaba and you say you can't pray behind him. You know, what a bad thought you got about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He doesn't even you know, want to appoint somebody to, you know, to lead you in prayer in the Kaaba, the holiest of holies. So now the tawaf, just to mention this. The hadith is in Behaki and is Hassan. The Prophet said, every single day, 120 blessings descend on the Kaaba. So this is a daily thing, 120 blessings. Half of those blessings, 60 are reserved for those performing tawaf. 40 are preserved, reserved, sorry, for those who perform salah. And 20 for those who merely look at the Kaaba. So this hadith, it's explaining something. It's the only place on earth where Salat is silver medal. 
Normally you cannot beat Salat. We went through Abdullah ibn Masood's life. Did he prefer fasting or Salat? He goes, they asked him, why are you only fasting three days a month? He goes, uh, it affects my Salat. And I don't, you know, when it comes to Salat, I don't mess with it. So Salat always comes first. We know the virtues. Except when you're in Makkah. Tawaf supersedes it. Think about that. Something so great, Salat is relegated. Tawaf supersedes it. So North is something so beloved. And what's interesting is, then you're just looking at the Kaaba, you get 20. So what the heck is going on there? What the heck is going on there is, this is for the people who are weak. For those who are ill, those who are aged, those who can't enter the sanctuary. They can find the spot where they just look at the Kaaba. And by just looking at it, you're getting 20 blessings. And those 20 blessings, you know, you can ask me after. You know, it's not normal blessings. Not popular, right? You know, you'll find out what the 20 blessings are. A common question perturbs the minds of many of the pilgrims. Notably those who have not prepared for the Hajj. They ask, What is the wisdom in many of these rituals? For some appear to make no sense whatsoever. <laughs> Sometimes they don't actually ask until you pro- you pro- you know you keep prodding them like a cattle. <laughs> Eventually it comes out of their mouth because I did Hajj, but I'm being honest. I don't know what was going on. I went to Mina, stoned the Shayateen, stayed in Arafat, Muzdalifa. I slept rough, and then shaved me hair. So I did it. And, they, and this perturbs them because what is this? What am I doing? The response. Every ritual actually has a deep and profound meaning. But there's such a simple answer. <laughs> it made me laugh. Looking at it extremely simply. Is it not true that the entire life of the Holy Prophet Ibrahim was of sacrifice, not questioning any of the divine commands. So let's mention a few things. What things was he told to do? He never questioned. He was told to migrate from one land to another. Didn't question. He was told to circumcise in his old age. Didn't question. He was told to leave his dear wife and only son in the desert. Didn't question. He was told to sacrifice his son. <laughs> Didn't question. So everybody goes, Mashallah, yes, that's, that's yeah, common knowledge. <laughs> Hence, your fruitcake, <laughs> in performing Hajj, <laughs> we are following and remembering his glorious footsteps. We should also not question any of the divine commands in emulation of our master and guide par excellence. So, look how simple that I actually started laughing. I was thinking there's going to be a really profound, you know, deep spiritual, you know, meaning to all these rituals. When I read this, it just, I just thought, look, wait, why are you thinking so deep? Hajj is all about Ibrahim. You know, he, he was the one who did the Hajj, though it predates him, which is interesting. So, if it's all about Ibrahim, what is the common denominator of his magnificent life? He never questioned. The command was strange. Imagine if you, you had a dream. You're slaughtering your son. You know, the very first thing is, Allah, you asking me to, I just want to get confirmation. 
Did he, did he say that? Did he say, yeah, I just want, you know, just want to confirm this. Uh, you're you asking me to slow. Didn't question. He actually told his son. He goes, look, son, I've had a dream. And uh, what do you think? Son goes, I'm ready. <laughs> Imagine. Why didn't they ask Allah? Because they were messengers. <laughs> so Allah, think about it. All his life, he was being flung into the fire. You know, another example. And everybody, the rain goes, you know, the angel of the rain goes, Ya Allah, give me permission. And he goes, no. <laughs> and then he goes, let me help. And all the creatures wanted to help. Ibrahim wasalam, saw Jibreel. And Jibreel goes, I'm here to help. And he goes, I only need the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> Didn't question. <laughs> Imagine, you're about to be flung into a fire that's roasting birds that fly over it. <laughs> You'd think, you know, just, Ya Allah, please just send sort it out. Let me have a safe landing at least. <laughs> Nothing. Allah Ta'ala sorted it all out. All he said was, Hasbunallahu ni'mal wakil. And the Prophet said the same words when the allies came to attack Al-Madina. In Sayyid Bukhari ibn Abbas said, So think about that. When you're doing Hajj, that's exactly, you're getting a taste of it. You're supposed to be his, you know, follow his example. And you're questioning. <laughs> Imagine, what am I going to get Raman for? Oh, brother, you don't know. Yeah. You, you know, you're not following Ibrahim, are you? Oh, yeah, sorry, astaghfirullah. And then you're under a truck in Muzdalifa. What am I doing here? Yo, you brother, you're doing here. You're questioning again, are you? What am I going anti-clockwise down the Kaaba for? You're doing it again, are you, brother? What am I stoning shaitans for? With stones, they're not shaitans, they're just rocks. And there you go. We just so humbly submit. Those, it is as if the Hajj is nothing but an absolute act of servitude. <coughs> following in the glorious footsteps of no other than the father of the prophets, our beloved messenger, Ibrahim, alayhi salatu wasalam. Now what's interesting, the Bible says, Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam left his wife and his son in Paran. <laughs> Another report, the uh, Bible mentions, Bakka, Bakka is mentioned. There's clear references in the Bible that he left his wife and child in Makkah. But the Bible just, then that's it. There's nothing, there's no follow-up to it. So we asked the Christians, we said, look, this is your scripture. That's Makkah. You know, you know, you know, you know Bakka is Makkah, yes. You know Palan is a mountain, yes. So what was Ibrahim doing? He left his wife and his son there. And they give you that look. They go, well, if it was important, God, well, God mentioned it in the Bible. So you noticed the truth is still in there. And we said, look, we will tell you what he was doing there. It's the history of the Hajj. He left his wife, he left his, his son, Zamzam. Zamzam is also mentioned in the Bible. A spring, call it a spring. Medina is mentioned in the Bible. You know, localities. And yeah, you know, but forget about the Christians. You know, what about us? And what's shocking is the Christians, the Jews say that they venerate Ibrahim. You notice, Father Abraham. He's one of the universal prophets everybody venerates. But who are the ones who truly venerate? It's us. Because we've got a pillar dedicated to him. And what's fascinating to finish, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, if you have the means to perform Hajj and you do not do it, then it does not matter if you die as a Jew or Christian. This is a hadith in Tirmidhi. Uh, Some say Umar said this. Whatever the case, it's a hadith. Now, what's interesting about the hadith? You could do Hajj, you haven't done it. What did the Prophet say? 
You might as well be a Jew or Christian. Now, there's the proof. The proof is you're supposed to be following Ibrahim You're not. You haven't done Hajj. Therefore, he goes, it's all just like hot air coming out of your mouth. Therefore, be a Jew or Christian who, who say they venerate Ibrahim, but do they? So not the Hajj, you know, the profound you know, wisdom of the glorious Hajj. And of course, if our father did 300 Hajjs, and we can't do that literally because we don't live, don't forget, you can only perform Hajj once a year. It's not something you can do every couple of weeks. So every year, one, two, there was one uh, of the Salaf, I think it's Sufyan ibn Uyayn rahmatullahi, he did 80 Hajjs. On the 80th Hajj, every time he was at Arafat, he made a dua. He goes, oh my Lord, please do not let this be the last time I meet you. So he came next year, Arafat. On the 80th time of Arafat, he forgot. He made dua for everything. He forgot to say, I want to meet you again, and he died. So 80 hajjahs. This was a man in the ummah of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa So when we go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one is fard, obviously. You know. Now the problem is the money is going ridiculous. <laughs> 10,000 pounds in this part of the world. I don't know what the rate. What are you paying for? It's like, what's going on? And then people get happy. Oh, I don't need to do Hajj now. It's not fun. And then you go, oh, brother, yeah, you're right, but do you know what you're actually missing out? So really, we should make, you know, uh, dua that Allah Ta'ala gives us the tawfiq to perform that glorious deed. Are there any questions you'd like to ask?